0: We're just about to hear episode eight of The Sullivan Mystery with Paul Temple. Patrick Rainer produced the series which was a remake of an original 1947 production. Uh, We must go back to the end of episode seven, Patrick, though, because you've got a little bit of a story about Victor Armstrong and the window scene, haven't you?
1: Yes, the comic things that happen when you're you're doing action on the radio and uh, so you're expecting things to happen. Of course, Armstrong appears with his frantic tapping at the window saying, let me in, let me in. Of course, we couldn't open the window. Uh, (laughs) So he stayed muffled outside the window for a lot longer than me. But that's that's part and parcel. So
0: it's a good thing that it wasn't live because originally it would have been, I guess.
1: Absolutely, but I think if you were doing it live, you'd find a way around it. You'd have a line like... Mm. goodness sake, Paul, open the window for him and there'd be a grappling noise and then this actor would stumble in and then get on with it. Um, yes, live, live, I've done low and it concentrates you and people dig themselves out of bad positions. Plenty
0: of ad living then. Well anyway, it's time to discover the truth about those mysterious spectacles and why everybody wants to get their hands on them. Here comes the final part of our Paul Temple mystery.
2: present Crawford Logan as Paul Temple and Gerda Stevenson as Steve in Paul Temple and the Sullivan Mystery, a serial by Francis Durbridge. The eighth and final episode. Still having a wonderful time.
3: Temple, listen. I want to tell you about Marquand. I want to tell you why he delivered. Look out, Temple. There's someone in a car firing from the street. Be careful, Paul. Temple, Marquand's double-crossed me. He's thrown in his lot with Schrider and decided... Paul, look out. It's Marquand. He's trying to stop me. Get down, Temple. Get down.
4: Get down, Paul.
5: Uh. Paul, he's hurt.
4: Who is this man?
6: His name's Armstrong. He is or was in league with Colonel Marquand. I've heard of Marquand. He's
4: after the spectacles, Rossetti Rosetti told me about him. It's my shoulder. I felt something hit Put me. the light on, Steve.
5: Yes, darling.
6: Armstrong was at Bournemouth the night Joyce Raymond was murdered. Mm. Yes,
3: but I didn't murder Joyce Raymond, I swear I didn't. Temple, I've got to talk to you. Oh.
6: Reach me that pillow, Sir Graham, off the bed.
3: That's it. Is that better? Uh, yes. Now, Temple, listen. Mm. I was sent to England by Marquand. I was told to get the spectacles. I thought you were playing the same game as Marquand. That's why I followed you down to Sandbanks that afternoon. He provided us with a first-class ducking. Why did Marquand want the spectacles then, do you know? Oh. This is Sir Graham Forbes of Scotland Yard. Oh. I d- i don't know why Marquand wanted the spectacles. He simply told me that if I could get them for him, he'd pay me £7,000. He warned me that several other people were after them. Who, for instance? Olaf Schrider? and a henchman of his called Constantine. Constantine was staying at the hotel in Bournemouth. He searched my room. I know it was Constantine, but I don't think he murdered Joyce Raymond. Who did murder her? I don't know. Armstrong, what happened that night in Augusta,
6: the night I met Colonel Marquand?
3: Marquand got hold of a young fellow called Thompson, a friend of Joyce Raymond's. Thompson didn't know what it was all about, but Marquand persuaded him to telephone you and pretend to be Richard Sullivan. When you suggested over the phone that something had happened to Joyce Raymond, Thomson jumped to the conclusion that you'd murdered her. Yes.
5: Well, who telephoned Marquand pretending to be Constantine?
3: Schreider did. Constantine had already been in touch with Schreider, and Schreider knew that you were at the Villa Negara. How did he know? Constantine told you from the hotel. Schreider guessed you'd tell Marquand about what happened on the flying boat, and, and he wanted Marquand to
6: believe that I'd already parted with the spectacles before reaching Augusta. Yes. Why are you telling us all this?
3: Because Mark wants double-crossed me. He promised to pay me 4000 whether I got the glasses or not, and now he's thrown in his lot with Schrider and refuses to pay. Armstrong. Yes?
6: That girl, the American girl, Miss Jeans, was she working for Mark One? Yes. But she double-crossed him, didn't she? What do you mean? She started to play in with Barry. Mark One found out, followed her out to the houseboat, which was Barry's headquarters,
3: and murdered her. That's true, isn't it? Yes, yes, it's true.
4: Why is Bari, and I presume you
3: mean Sultan Bari, after the spectacles? Presumably for the same reason as Marquand. Well, what is the reason? I don't know. I've told you, I don't
4: know why Marquand wants the spectacles. Oh,
5: oh, my arm. Oh, we shall have to get a doctor, Paul. Uh, in
4: a moment. There's a warrant out for Marquand. Where would you suggest we look for him? You might
6: do worse than the Karamets, Sir Graham. He was there tonight calling himself Oliver J. Whiteman.
3: Marquand was? Yes, Failing that, you might try Meyerhoff's. Meyerhoff's? What's that, a shop? It's a jeweller's. It's about a quarter of a mile past the house of Bari. And, Temple, I warn you, both Schreider and Marquand are pretty dangerous men. Don't underrate them. They're determined to get those spectacles, whatever the cost.
6: I shan't underrate them, Armstrong.
5: out now darling i shan't be long
6: right i'll meet you here about 12 o'clock oh i should take a coat steve it's much colder today
5: i'll be all right darling Mm -hmm. oh you look tired paul
6: yes i feel it steve i had a good talk to sir graham last night about this business and there's something i think you ought to know
5: there's something i'd certainly like to know what's that why schrider and marquand and zolt and barry are after the spectacles do you know
6: yes darling I know.
5: Well, did Sir Graham tell you?
6: Mrs Temple, please.
5: Uh, you mean you told Sir Graham?
6: Yes. As a matter of fact, I've known for some time. I discovered the secret of them that day. However, that can wait. Steve, now that Marquand and Schrider have joined forces, they're obviously going to try something pretty desperate. They know I've got the spectacles, and, well, quite honestly, darling, there's a possibility that they may try and pick you up and use you as a sort of hostage
5: but marquan's already tried that and it failed yes
6: thanks to mr darwin but next time he might not be quite so close at hand
5: all right don't worry paul i'll take care
6: yes well do take care steve you know i'm not so sure whether i should let you go out on your own or not
5: i'll be all right darling
4: may i come in oh hello sir graham
5: come in sir graham
4: how's armstrong you'll be all right He should be out of hospital in a matter of a week or so we checked on that address the jewelers he mentioned there was no sign of mark
6: i'm he? not surprised they must have known that armstrong would have mentioned that place
4: what about Schreider? There there's no sign of him either but of course we've got to go steady as far as Schrider's is concerned we've really got no concrete evidence that he's mixed up in this business
5: well i'll be off dear goodbye sir graham see you later
4: take care of yourself steve <laughs>
5: now don't you start <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye
4: did you do what i suggested yes i had a word with hakeem Don't worry. Steve will be watched from the moment she leaves the hotel. Good.
2: There she is. Where? She's just come out of the hotel. Do you see her? Look. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see. What shall we do? There's no hurry. Now, just take it easy. Relax. It looks to me as if she's making for the marketplace.
7: That's okay. Don't worry. We shan't
2: lose her. What shall I do? Drive the car further down the road? No. Just relax. Stay where you are. But if she gets round the corner and into the marketplace, it will be almost impossible to find her again. Don't
7: worry. Now, just keep calm. What are you looking at? I'm looking at that guy in the corner. He's watching her. You're imagining things. Not me, Mr. Schreider. I haven't got that type of imagination. He's watching her, all right. Now, what's the idea? He's following her. Yeah. It's one of Hakim's men. The police? Yeah. They're not taking any chances. What are we going to do?
2: We can't pick her up while he's watching.
7: There's only one thing we can do. Give me back that revolver I gave you. The one with the silencer. But what? Give it to me. What are you going to do? We'll have to get rid of that man first. It's our only chance. But you can't possibly... Oh, listen, Schreider. Drop me about 30 or 40 yards behind him, and then drive slowly. I beg your pardon, sir. Yes? Could you direct me to the Alexandria Hotel? The Alexandria Hotel? i are walking
8: in the wrong direction, my friend want to turn around? Get in the car. Uh, what are you... You think? heard what I said. Get in the car. Look here. What are you trying to do? You can't Get in just... that car. What is the meaning of this?
7: Why are you do telling me... Do what I tell you. Get in the car.
8: Uh, I've seen Mrs. Temple. Oh. I understand now. Rev your engine up, Schreider. Rev it up. What are you going to do with that? No. Don't. Don't shoot.
7: Don't. Don't. Oh. Okay. Is he dead? Don't worry about him. Where did you see Mrs. Temple? She's in a dress shop over on the other side of the square. Are you sure? Yes. I saw her cross over. Drive over there. Drive into the curb. Keep your mouth shut and your eyes
4: open.
6: Hello.
3: Mr. Temple? Yes? Will you hold the line, please? There's a call for you. Thank you. Hello. Mr. Temple?
6: Yes, speaking. Who is that?
7: Don't you recognize me?
6: No, I'm afraid I don't.
7: It's Marquand. Marquand? Temple, listen. I've got a friend of yours here. She wants to say a few words to you.
5: Is that you, Paul? Steve! Marquand picked me up, darling. I was in a dress shop. I'm speaking from a house on.
7: Steve!
6: Did you get that? Yes, I got it. Now listen, Marquand. I'm warning you. If anything happens to my wife, I'll...
7: Relax, brother. I don't like this corny situation any more than you do. Now listen. I want those glasses. I don't want any alibis. I don't want any ifs or buts or ands. I just want those glasses. Do you get me?
6: I get you, Marquand.
7: Good. Now listen to what I'm saying. I'm sending a car around for you. He'll pick you up at the corner near the newspaper stand. If anyone's tailing you, or there's any funny business, then it'll be just too bad for Mrs. Temple. Catch on? Markwand. Yeah?
6: I don't think you quite understand the situation. What do you mean? You harm my wife. You touch so much as one hair of her head, and... And what? And do you know what I'll do? I shall drop those glasses on the floor and smash them to pieces, Colonel Markwand. Understand?
7: I'm sending the car around straight away. Don't keep it waiting. And don't forget what I've told you.
6: I shan't forget.
3: Paul. Steve.
7: Steve, darling, are you all right? Stay where you are. Don't move. Were you followed? No. No, I don't think so. What do you mean you don't think so? No, it's all right. I made a check on it. Okay. Go back to the car, Schreider. Turn it around and wait. I shan't be long. All right. Now, my friend, where are the spectacles? Before I hand them over, Colonel Marquand, I should like you. Before you hand them over, Mr. Temple, I should like you to get one thing quite clear. You see this revolver? One could hardly fail to see it. If I have any nonsense from you, I shan't hesitate to use it. Now, give me the spectacles. Have I your assurance
6: that once I hand them over. Stay where you are! Keep on the other side of the stove. Now, I warn you, Temple, if there's any funny business... I merely wanted your assurance that once I've... Once handed... you've handed over the spectacles, you can go back to the hotel. Well, in that case, you leave me with very little... That's,
5: that's it right now.
7: Paul? Oh. What is it?
5: What the... It's Sir Graham and the police. Look, they must have followed you, darling.
7: They picked up Frieda, a fool. I warned him to be on the lookout.
5: Paul! Poor... Oh, oh.
7: oh. Get to the window, Steve. Let them see you. Drop that gun. Oh. 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 Drop it.
5: Oh. Start, Paul? Mind
7: the stove, or
5: you'll have the place on fire. The revolver. Do as I. Steve, break the window. Oh. Oh. Sir Graham! Sir Graham! Paul, move the stove. Look out, where you have the place on fire.
7: Give me
6: that revolver, Mark. All oh, the
5: curtains have gone fire. I can't. stop Drop it. The revolver. Oh. Oh, Paul, it's spreading up. A... I can't stop it.
7: Temple, the room's on fire. Me,
5: me, Temple, or I. Oh,
7: Temple,
5: oh. I. Oh. Oh.
3: Oh. Oh. Oh.
5: oh,
6: Steve, we we've got to get out of here.
5: It's going to be difficult to, to reach the the door. I
6: take this handkerchief. Now, give me your arm. We've got to make a dash for it. Are you ready?
5: Yes. Yes, I'm ready.
6: Right. (coughs) Let's go. (coughs) Temple, are you both all right? Yes. Yes, we're all right, Sir Graham.
5: We're having a a wonderful time. (laughs) Go along, Steve.
4: Have another drink, Sir Graham. No, I don't think I will, Temple. Thanks all the same. Well,
5: are you feeling any better, Steve? I'm feeling fine. But you know, Sir Graham, what I don't understand about this business would fill a library. (laughs) (laughs) Now, take that night in Bournemouth, for instance. What actually happened that night? Oh, I know Joyce Raymond was murdered, and I know that... Let me begin at the beginning, Steve. You remember the Monton robbery? The Duke and Duchess of Monton? But of course.
4: Well, about a year ago, a collection of jewellery belonging to the Duke and Duchess of Monton was stolen from Hallington House in Norfolk. It was an extremely valuable, one might almost say, unique collection. The estimated value was somewhere in the region of a million and a quarter. Mm-hmm. The man mainly responsible for the job was called Leopold Feddington. Ferington worked with a man called Lewis Carson, and believe me, they were a couple of pretty smart birds. Mm. Just how smart, we shall never really know. Anyway. To cut a long story short, Farrington got away with the collection and got as far as Cairo. When he reached Cairo, however, he he thought the things were getting a little too hot for him, and he decided to bury the collection and make himself scarce. He picked a likely hiding place for the jewellery, made a careful note of its exact whereabouts, and then faded out of the picture. Three months later, Farrington caught typhoid and died. Go on. I think you can carry on from here, Temple. Hmm.
6: Before he died... Farrington got friendly with an English girl. As a matter of fact, she nursed him during his illness. When he knew that there was very little chance of his making a recovery, he told her about the robbery and gave her an apparently perfectly ordinary pair of horn-rimmed spectacles and asked her to take them to London and to give them to Lewis Carson.
4: And for your information, Steve, the name of the girl that looked after Farrington, in other words, the girl that received the glasses, was Lydia Raymond. Lydia Raymond,
5: mind you. I don't get this. It was Joyce Raymond that came to the flat and asked us to deliver the glasses. Now, wait
6: a moment, darling. Lydia knew, as soon as she received the glasses from Farrington, that in some mysterious way they were connected with the Monton robbery. As a matter of fact, from that very moment, so far as Lydia was concerned, things began to happen. Go on. Well, Zoltan Markwand Marquand Schrider, and a gentleman by the name of Richard Sullivan all tried to get the spectacles, but Lydia was a pretty determined sort of a girl. And she took
4: them to London. When she arrived in London, she told her sister about them. Now, Sullivan had already got in touch with Joyce Raymond and had offered her £5,000 if she would get them for him. Joyce got the glasses from Lydia and brought them to you. She was frightened to take them to Cairo herself because she knew from what Lydia had told her that Bowery, Marquand and Schrider were pretty dangerous customers and would stop at nothing to get hold of them.
5: Did Joyce murder her sister?
4: Yes. Lydia found out what Joyce was up to and followed her to Half Moon Street.
5: But why did Joyce go down to Bournemouth?
4: Oh, for the simple reason
6: that when she got back to her flat, there was a phone message from Sullivan saying he'd just arrived in England and wanted to see her. She went down to Bournemouth and told him exactly what happened. At first he was annoyed, and then suddenly realised that his best bet was to get rid of Joyce, who by this time knew far too much about things, and simply let us take the risks and carry the spectacles back to Cairo for him.
5: Yes, but why did sullivan want the spectacles why did marquand want them why did everyone seem to want them
6: don't you know why
5: oh don't be infuriating paul you know i don't
6: (laughs) two days ago steve i took those glasses to an opticians i told him to make a detailed examination of them and to do something for me do you know what that something was no i told him to write down the prescription
5: The prescription? What do you mean?
6: Well, you know that every pair of spectacles is made up to a prescription. Oh,
5: yes, of course. And
6: the number of prescriptions is, well, infinite. There are literally billions of them. When Farrington hid the Montan Collection, he made a chart showing the exact spot in the desert where the collection was buried. He knew that it was risky to keep the chart, so he converted it into a prescription for a pair of spectacles.
5: So that's it? He
6: had the spectacles made up, and then he destroyed both the chart and the prescription. He knew perfectly well, of course, that whenever he wanted the chart, all he had to do was to get an optician to examine the spectacles and write down the prescription for him.
5: I see. In other words, Sullivan, Barry, Marquand, and Schreider wanted the spectacles in order to get the prescription so that they could find the Montan collection. Exactly. Oh, yes. Yes, but there's just one point, darling, that you haven't quite explained. Oh? And what's that? Who is Richard Sullivan? Is it Darwin? Don't you know? Is it, Darwin?
6: Yes. (laughs) Why do you think Darwin rescued us that afternoon at Sandbanks? Mm -hmm. Why do you think he stopped Marquand from holding you as a hostage?
5: I suppose he thought you had the glasses on you and he was frightened of losing them?
4: Yes. And when Miss Jeans picked you up, he rescued you because he thought Temple might get cold feet and hand the glasses over to Marquand.
5: I see. You know, it's funny, Paul, but, well, I've suspected Darwin all along, and yet, somehow, well, he's always seemed such a nice person oh what is it i've just remembered you've invited him to dinner
8: thank you for a most excellent dinner, Temple.
9: Yes, indeed, it's really been most enjoyable. Won't well, you have another glass of port, Miss Fraser? Oh, no, I don't think so, thank you.
8: Darwin? No, oh, no, thanks, old boy. I've had more than enough.
9: Well, I suppose we'd better be making a move. You look a little on the pale side tonight, Mrs Temple. Aren't you feeling too well? No,
5: I'm all right, Miss Fraser. I didn't sleep too well last night, so perhaps... That's not surprising. We had a
8: ghastly evening, Miss Fraser, perfectly ghastly. First of all, a chappy by the name of... By the way, I'd completely forgotten all about it. But do you know what you promised me last night? What? You promised to show me those spectacles. Oh, Yes. Yes, so I did. Spectacles? Uh, Mr Temple's got rather an unusual pair of spectacles, Miss Fraser. He was offered £10,000 for them. (laughs)
9: What? £10,000 for a pair of spectacles? Yes. (laughs) They must be very unusual ones, Mr Temple. What are they made of? Platinum studded with diamonds? No, they're
6: just a perfectly ordinary
9: pair of spectacles. (laughs) Yes, but £10,000? You see, you've even got the old girl. Not so much of the old, Mr. Darwin. I beg your pardon. (laughs) You see, Miss Fraser's
8: just as curious as I am. Well, I suppose I've no alternative but to satisfy your curiosity.
6: Now, where did I put them? Oh, here they are.
9: Thank you. Well, Miss Fraser? Uh, Well, I can't for the life of me imagine why anyone should offer you £10,000 for them. May I, Miss Fraser? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Thank you.
8: Well, Mr Darwin? (laughs) I'm afraid I agree with Miss Fraser. If anyone comes along and offers you anything over a five-year-old boy, I should jump at it. (laughs) What's your offer, Mr Darwin? My offer? Not a bit of use to me, old boy.
5: It looks to me as if you've missed the bus, darling.
8: I'm beginning to think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here you are, Temple, and take my advice. If you get... Oh, dear, I've dropped them.
5: Oh, dear. I'll move my No, It's all
8: right, it's all right, Miss Fraser. Have you got them? Yes. Yes, I've got them. Are they broken? Nope. They're right as rain. Sorry, Temple. That's all right. No harm done. There you are. Thank you.
9: Well, I suppose we'd better be
8: making a move. Yes. And thank you again, Temple, for an excellent dinner. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I'm sorry you
6: were disappointed in the spectacles. Oh, that's all right. I'm afraid you're going to be even more disappointed when you get home. What do you mean? I mean when you examine the spectacles
8: more closely. But how can I examine them more closely? You've got them in your hand. On the contrary. You've got them in your pocket
6: i've got them are you crazy you did the switch over very neatly my friend but i'm afraid it won't get you anywhere what do you mean those glasses the ones you've put in your pocket are just as valueless as these the real glasses the ones that joyce raymond gave me were handed over to sir graham forbes and commandant hakeem first thing this morning and by this time
9: (laughs) why you cunning devil (gasps) paul look out drop that revolver darwin what what the devil do you mean you heard what i said that revolver
8: do you think you can scare me with that damn thing why it's loaded with peppermints you showed us that revolver
9: last night when you dropped your hand you think so mr darwin you think so Ah! you still think it's loaded with peppermints who are you what do you want are you after the spectacles who are you miss fraser my name is nicholson i'm from scotland yard
3: Can I get you anything, sir?
6: Yes. We'd like something to drink. What would you like, Miss Fraser?
9: Uh, Nothing for me. Thank you, Mr. Temple. Are you sure? (laughs) Quite sure. Thank you. Steve? No, thank you, darling. Sir Graham.
6: I'd like a whiskey and soda. Good. Have you any beer? Yes, sir. Well, a whiskey and soda and a beer. Very good, sir. I'm afraid I keep calling you Miss Fraser, Miss Nicholson. I'm terribly sorry.
9: (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. As a matter of fact, I simply can't get used to speaking without an accent. It's a most distressing condition to be in, I can assure you.
5: (laughs) Miss Nicholson, why did you go down to Bournemouth in the first place?
4: We sent Miss Nicholson down to Bournemouth to keep an eye on Armstrong. We knew he was working for Marquand, and we had a suspicion that Marquand was mixed up in the Monton robbery. When I got
9: down to Bournemouth, however, I spotted Darwin, became suspicious of him, and decided to take
5: rather an interest in the young man. I see. Well... What happened that night at the Hotel Keramet?
6: Well, Marquand, Shrider and Quinn knew that Darwin was after the spectacles and... And declared war on him. Exactly. The night we dined at the Keramet, Quinn tried to murder Darwin, but Darwin was too quick. Turned the tables on him, shot him, and placed him in his car. He then fixed up with Valkyrie, the waiter, to deliver the note to us. And while we were outside searching for Quinn's car, Valkyrie went out onto the terrace and fired a revolver to give the impression that Quinn had only just that moment shot himself. Of course, the most interesting aspect
4: of the... Yes, what is it? I beg your pardon, sir. The wireless officer has just received this message. Oh, thank you. Well, it's from Commandant Hakim. They've found the collection.
5: Oh, good.
4: That's good news, Sir Graham. It certainly is.
5: Well, this looks like the end of the Sullivan mystery, darling.
4: Yes.
9: Yes. What are you going to do when you get back to London, Mr Temple?
6: What am I going to do? I'm going to write a book, and when I finish the book, Miss Nicholson, I'm going to sit back with my feet on the mantelpiece and think of nothing more important than the temperature of... Your beer, sir.
3: (laughs) I beg your pardon, sir. Yes, Stuart. The gentleman in C Cabin would rather like to have a word with you, sir. Which gentleman? The tall, thin gentleman, sir. You can see him through the door smoking a cigarette. Oh. What's his name?
6: Delaney, sir. All right. Tell him I'll meet him on the promenade deck. Now, sir? Yes, now.
2: Thank you, sir. Mr. Temple? Yes. I'm dreadfully sorry to disturb you, sir. My name is Delaney. What can I do for you, Mr. Delaney? Well, I'm given to understand that you're traveling through to England, to London, in fact. Yes. That was originally my own intention, but unfortunately I've been delayed and I've got to stay two or three days in Augusta. Well? I have a book, Mr. Temple, a present for my daughter, my little girl. It's her birthday tomorrow, and, well, I was wondering if you'd be good enough to deliver it for me. You see, if I post it in Augusta, she won't receive it until the end of the week, and there'll be no inconvenience for you, Mr. Temple. I'll send my wife a cable and she'll meet you at Waterloo. What What sort of a book is it, Mr. Delaney? It's uh, a copy of Alice in Wonderland. It's just a perfectly plain, ordinary book, Mr. Temple. I'm afraid I'm... You mean you won't? No, thank you, Mr. Delaney. (laughs) No, thank you. the eighth and final episode of the Francis Darbridge serial Paul Temple and the Sullivan Mystery with Crawford Logan as Paul Temple and Gerda Stevenson as Steve. Others taking part were Richard Greenwood, Eliza Langland, Angus McInnes, Michael McKenzie, Gareth Thomas and Nick Underwood. The production was by Patrick Rayner.
0: was the final episode of Paul Temple and the Sullivan Mystery. Well, the producer, Patrick Rayner, is still with us. Patrick, there's just one thing I think that we still need to know. A bit of a mystery remains about who killed Mr Constantine in the boathouse. Have you got any ideas?
1: Indeed. I think we'll probably never know. <laughs> Being an assiduous producer, I was trying to check out who might have killed him, I checked all the internal evidence that Durbridge presents, and I don't think anyone in it could possibly have done it except Steve she had the motive uh, she had the means and she also had the opportunity so I have a secret suspicion that she's um, not all she makes herself out to be actually it could
0: be the start of a whole new series of stories couldn't it really
1: I think it may well be.
0: sadly Francis Durbridge is no longer with us I think he died in 1998 but what do you think he would have made of this production
1: I hope he would have been pleased. I mean, I know without uh, being too big-headed that the, the family were pleased with it and that they enjoyed it uh, enormously and were very glad it was done. Which And it's very nice to have uh, his his name kept on. And uh, I'm just glad we've had the chance and, indeed, I, without getting too pompous about it, the privilege to have had a go at this. Um, it's wonderful thriller writing and hugely uh, entertaining and very innocent in, in its way, although very violent in its way. It's strange combination, that. A pleasure and uh, I hope people enjoyed listening to it.
0: I'm sure they do, and I know we have many fans of Paul Temple stories here on BBC 7. I know they will want to know if there are any further plans to do another production like this. Um,
1: Watch this space.
0: We will do. Patrick Rayner, thank you very much indeed for joining us.
1: Thank you very much indeed. It was a pleasure.